0: Welcome to season 1 of the Story Living podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the engagement of story, specifically helping you engage with your story. In season 1, we're going to be talking about beginnings. I'll offer a map of how to track yourself as you're moving through how to heal through story, and you'll also get to meet several of the people who have been influential in my life as I have moved through the category of story. We will be rotating between content and interviews, and I hope that this invites you to be more curious and more compassionate toward your own story. I hope it invites you to begin. Welcome to the Storied Living Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Kelly, and this is Episode 1. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Storied Living Podcast. My name is Laura Kelly, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Today, it's a beautiful day in Virginia. The leaves outside of my house have yet to fall. They're bright yellow. The crepe myrtle tree outside of my mom's house is turning colors. I'd never seen something like that until I moved to Virginia. The sky is bright blue and crisp, and I'm getting to sit here and talk to you. This is the first podcast that I've ever done. so. Let me just start by saying thank you. Thanks for tuning in. It really is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today to talk about story. Storied Living was created out of my love for people, especially people who know they're struggling because I was one of those people. People who know they're struggling, and want to understand why they're struggling and learn how to feel better so that they can get out there and live their lives with integrity and intention to move from just surviving to thriving. If this podcast allows for just a half a shift in you, just a degree, then it's worth it. Because we know that just one gentle shift can change the trajectory of an entire life. Story Living was also born out of my own story to figure this out for myself. And I have spent the last six years working in trauma and story work, and I've had a lot of guidance and help along the way. So this season, you'll get to hear from some of those people, some of the people that have really formed my understanding and have been a part of my healing journey. I hope you tune into their experiences to hear their beautiful and life-enriching stories. I hope you write their thoughts down and I hope you use them to guide you and to offer you comfort as you step into your own story. What they have to offer is gold. I work with a lot of people and every time I sit down with someone at some point, I usually hear statements like, I wish this was more linear, more prescriptive. And I remember feeling the same way. I wish I had had a map. Someone to give me directions so I could get going or at least know where I was going. And so for me, as I began to think about where I wanted to start this podcast and where I wanted to start with you, I decided that I wanted to start at the beginning. Because let's be honest, that's where we all start. This week, I was reading this book by Daniel Siegel called Brainstorm. I have teenagers right now. And this book is all about the adolescent brain. It focuses on the development of the adolescent brain. And the purpose of this book is to help parents and adolescents understand something of what the adolescence lived experience is like as their brain is developing to teach parents how to support them. So of course, I've got to read all these books because I have a, a teenager almost. In this book, he has a comic, and it goes like this. You have the worst of it behind you now, the woman says to the boy. But the boy replies, but I have only just begun. The woman says, that's what I mean. You have begun. Now, this comic is credited to Irish poet John O'Donohue. And yes, you have begun. You're here. This first season is going to focus on beginning. And part of the beginning is opening up a map and taking a look at what might be coming. So I sat down and I thought about my experience as I started stepping into story. I started thinking about what I've noticed in the trajectory of other people and other groups and other stories I've sat with. What did it look like for them to move through the process of engaging with their story? And so I've aggregated what I feel like is a good beginning place of a map, and I broke it down into five phases, five phases of healing through story work. I tell people all the time that this work is nonlinear, but while it's nonlinear, you are also moving through time. And as best I can, I want to offer some checkpoints along the way. This is not an exhaustive list, but I hope it will highlight what may be ahead of you should you choose to accept this mission of stepping into story work. And I would invite you to choose it. This is your life. I hope you choose your life. Of particular note is that there is an ending phase, a phase of settling in. And this phase is beautiful. It is worth everything that precedes it. I love the line in this poem called Beloved is Where We Begin. It's by Jan Richardson, and she certainly knows something of grief. And so I want to offer you these lines. This is just an excerpt, but the full poem will be in the show notes for you. I cannot promise you that this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger, or thirst from the scorching of the sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. I can tell you that on this way, there will be help and there will be rest. So I hope that this first season of Storied Living offers you something of that, a taste of help, A taste of rest. And so we're going to turn toward the five phases of healing through story. And today I'm just going to focus on, I'm going to read you the five phases of healing through story, but I'm going to focus on phase one. And I will go into more depth about phase one. And of course, each of these phases has. Um, many things underneath it. So we'll just spend time with the first phase and what you might expect to experience in the first phase of healing through story. All right. So five phases of healing through story. The first phase of healing through story is living in and through your story. Living in And through your story. The second phase of healing through story is the recognition of the story, the recognition of the story. The third phase of healing through story is beginning to engage with your story's main obstacles, the main obstacles that are presented to you through your story. The fourth phase is the ownership of your story, the ownership of your story. And the fifth phase is living with your story and creating a new story while holding on to your story. Now, these are the five skeletal phases of healing through story. And I want to offer some lockstep categories. These are categories that walk in lockstep with these phases. And they move in and out of something of your experience. And they'll highlight and add shading and color to your story. And as the season progresses, as these seasons progress, I will speak more to what these are in more depth. But I just want to offer them To you on the outset, um, as maybe like a little asterisk on your map. Okay. Lockstep categories. Self sabotage. That's one of the categories that you will find as you move in and out of engaging and healing through story. Learning about your attachment style. It's one of the categories that you'll be invited to and will be present with you as you move in and out of understanding your story. Emotional regulation. It's learning how to regulate your emotions, affect regulation. And number four is engaging with your brain and your body, or I'll call it cognitive and somatic engagement. So what you think and what you feel inside your body These four things are lockstep categories, and you will notice them show up as you begin the journey of moving through the five phases of healing through story. All right, so we're going to move into the first phase of healing through story, and I'm going to walk you through some of the particularities of what you might notice in this first phase The first phase of healing through story is living in and through your story, living in and through your story. And underneath this phase, there are six sub parts. So I'm going to walk you through those. All right. The first part of living in and through your story, and this may seem obvious, is that you were born. Oh, of course you were born and you move through time. And as you go through time and space, your brain and body are developing, they're growing and they're experiencing the world. You're experiencing your parents, your caregivers or lack of parents or caregivers. You're experiencing your siblings or maybe lack of siblings. You're experiencing your neighborhood, your social environment, your sports teams, your churches, your school, your brain and body are moving through and experiencing those things. You experience the earth, the sky, clouds. You experience different groups, group settings, other human beings. You are living this life. The first part is just noticing, I have lived this life. You moved through, you were born and you moved through time. And as you did that, you, you accumulated fundamental formative experiences. And these will turn into the memories and the scenes that you will write as we talk about, quote, story work, okay? But for this phase, we're just saying, hey, you were born, you lived. And your body and mind, again, have collected formative experiences along the way. And of course they have. Of course they have. All right. From that, you're born. You move through time and space. You're going to move into the second part, which is living out of a story that has not yet been named, that has not yet been named. And let me just make a distinction. Um You may have lived through a story that has actually had names put on it, but it's been misnamed or it's been named in a way that doesn't actually, that isn't actually congruent with your felt and lived experience. So you're living out of a story that has not yet been named accurately or has been misnamed. And you will notice this phase as you step into adulthood, maybe late adolescence, um, early 20s. This is living out of a story that has not yet been named or has not been named well. And this, this part can go on for more than just adolescence. You can live in this part for a long time. And so let me just take a pause and say, um, you know, this can be cyclical too. Like you can move in and out of these categories that I love that it's just, I love numbers and I love things to have a sequence. So just kind of notice, notice where you are, right? Living out of a story that has not yet been named. Now, as you move through living out of a story that has not yet been named or has been misnamed, you're going to move into the third part. And that is a felt sense of dysfunction. It's marked by this, this sense of like, things are not working right. Something is not right. What has happened? What is wrong? Why is this happening? What is going on? A felt sense of dysfunction. And I want to say that in this phase, you can just be mindful that you will be invited to a lot of despair. A sense of things will never be right. This has been going on for a long time. The part that is the felt sense of dysfunction will be marked by things are not right. And you may also be invited to despair. despair. But what I want to say is that this is a very important part. This felt sense of dysfunction, because this is one of the first opportunities you have as a person to make a decision. To make a decision, what am I going to do with this felt sense of dysfunction? What am I going to do with what I notice is not right? I get to decide, I get to begin to decide. And this is so important. As you make decisions from this place to move toward your story, you get to reclaim more of your humanness. So, I just want, I just want to encourage you that a felt sense of dysfunction, although it's marked by the sense that things are not working right, and you may be being invited to despair, that you, I hope you also in this moment get the sense that you get to be invited to make a decision about what you want to do with that. Okay. After you notice this felt sense of dysfunction, it will move you to four, which is the realization of the story and the unveiling of some denial, okay? The realization of of the story and the unveiling of some denial. And what this means is that you begin to notice that there is an impact on your present day coming from things you have learned or experienced in your past that there is an impact on your present day. And this is also marked usually by a lack of kindness. You're not gonna feel a lot of kindness towards yourself. You may not notice that there's a lot of kindness available to you and other people as you're coming to this realization. So just be aware. And some examples of this may be um, you realize that your dad was very stingy with money and that you struggle to pay for things or to spend money or you, ha- your relationship with money is confused. Your relationship with resources or um, acquiring things for yourself to take care of yourself, maybe that's been impacted by your story. You might notice some disgust or defense in your body as you move toward intimacy with your spouse, and you're confused. What's going on? I was told that once I got married, it would be easy for me to have an intimate relationship with my spouse, and yet it I'm finding it very difficult, and I'm noticing that I feel um, confused that I have this sense of wanting to protect myself. My past is impacting my present, and yet I feel a lot of judgment, and there's not a lot of kindness. This is the part where you're realizing and unveiling denial that the past is, in fact, impacting your present. Now, once you have this realization, a lot of people shift into this place, um, and this is five, of white-knuckling. White-knuckling and avoidance of the past or the pain. And this is marked by willpower. And I just want to say, I don't know if there's a lot of research around this. I don't know if this has been said elsewhere, but what I have noticed and what I think is that willpower is actually a trauma response. You even can get that sense of demand, demand and judgment, willpower. I must, um, I must overcome this. And, and there's not a lot of softness to engaging yourself from that place. So just notice that the white knuckling, And the avoidance of the pain or the past is marked by willpower, a demand. I will, I can like almost amp up and get over this. There's also going to be some comments in your mind or even in your social environment that might say things like the past is dead, the past is past, forgive and forget, what's your problem, things like that. You'll also notice some judgments on yourself or maybe even from other people when you think about seeking help some turns of phrase like i should be over this this is indulgent what's the point right you can notice the judgment you can notice the contempt and you can notice the despair in those statements you might even notice that you want to kick it down the road there will be time i'll get back to this right that's in the white knuckling or the avoidance of the pain or the past you may even have some thoughts like i shouldn't need help i have god i have church i was baptized i've prayed my childhood quote was fine. I shouldn't need help. You may be highly high functioning. You may be good at your job. You may be good at keeping all of these things together. And yet there's this gnawing sense inside of your body of pain, that felt sense of dysfunction that keeps revisiting you. And yet there's this invitation to white knuckle to avoid. Just be aware. That's five. All right. As you move through white-knuckling, as you move through the avoidance of the past or the pain, as you begin to recognize that it's not actually helping you, usually what happens is people move to a place of desperation. Nothing has worked. Nothing has worked. I cannot keep living like this. I am so tired. I'm exhausted. And you begin to feel that sense of um, almost giving in or giving up. It may be marked by some franticness, some urgency to find something quickly to help you. It's also marked by looking for help from an others-centered perspective. So you may notice some, maybe I could learn about myself to help other people. Um, I find myself being asked a lot of things. I hold a lot of other people's stories. Maybe I could learn about story work and myself, and that will help me help other people. Maybe this could help my family or my children. Maybe I could help my marriage. Maybe I could help with ministry. I can do this for someone else. But it's rare in this phase to actually be able to settle into doing it for you from this place of, I get to receive care. I need help. I need care. I need good tending for my body, for my mind, for my story. So that's phase six. Desperation, typically marked by needing to center. Um, The help that you're seeking toward others, like how could this help me help others? Or maybe um, if I become better, it will be better for other people. Rare to just notice that maybe just you need some care. Maybe you need some care. All right. So this is phase one. Again, living in and through your story. The story itself, living out of the story that has not been named a felt sense of dysfunction, the realization of the story, white knuckling and avoidance of the story, power over the story, and then that sense of desperation or turning towards your story, centering it around how you might be able to help others or how tending yourself might make it easier for others. All right, we've done a lot of work today being with these categories. I hope it helps you get a sense of where you might be. If you notice yourself in any part of this first phase, I hope that you can, just for a breath, maybe invite some softening to say, yes, I'm here. I notice myself in the white knuckling part. I notice that I'm engaging in willpower. I notice that I feel a little desperate. I notice that I'm just beginning to recognize I have a story. I notice that I I do feel dysfunctional. I do feel like things are not quite working. Oh, I notice some debris. Yes, I did live, right? Any place that you find yourself here, if you can invite yourself to some kindness some curiosity and some compassion for that young body that's waking up inside of you. So good to be with you this week. I hope you tune in to the next episode. Next week, we'll be sitting with Kathy Lorzell. And Kathy Lorzell is one of the co-founders of the Allender Center. She helped formulate some of what we understand um, is story work as we've come to understand it now. And she's going to tell a little bit about her story of beginning. And this is so important. Every person that comes on this season is going to be talking about how they began, because I want you to know we all started at, at the beginning. We all have moved through some of these experiences, and we can sit with you in that knowing, and I want to invite you to know that you're not alone. So Kathy will be meeting with us. She's also the author of Redeeming It It's a beautiful book that she co-authored with Dan Allender. And we'll get to hear more from Kathy next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please go to Apple and give me a rating. And if you have questions, I will be aggregating them and I'll be doing a listener's questions at the end of this season. So you can email questions to podcast at storiedliving.org. Podcast at storiedliving.org dot org and please come to the podcast show notes for any of the things that you might be looking for all right i'll see you guys next week so good to be with you